Um, I want to, we got a video here in just a second, but how did your guys' week go this week? It was good? Did anybody eat something really, really good? Anything really good? Really? Doesn't questions kind of make people feel awkward? Don't you feel like, this is awkward? Some of you are like, this is stupid. I wish you would stop. Right? You know what? It's because you're afraid, okay? Questions are those things, open-ended questions are, 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 is a tool, or are a tool, is a tool that, that counselors use. And the more I'm in school, the more I realize it. And, and, and it can be, using them effectively can be kind of difficult, but, but it's a very powerful tool to get into someone's life. Here's the problem. You guys don't like it, right? When you go to a counselor and you're paying them 150 bucks to fix you, and they're just asking you questions, you're like, what the heck, you know? It's like, give me, you know, give me some answers. But here's the issue. Part of the issue is, I should say, is, is this. There's times where we need to face questions. Because as we face the questions and we answer those questions, it gets to a space or a place within our lives at times we don't want to be. That's why some of you are great masons and you can build a wall just very quickly, right? You don't want anybody in there because that's a soft spot, right? That's a sensitive spot. Now some of you think that you have it all mastered where you can like create the wall and no one else knows and everybody else is kind of chuckling around you because everybody knows what you're, you know, that you're not letting anybody in. But here's the issue, and I ask you, that I, I was just kind of just throwing some silly questions out there because... Because questions, questions are very powerful. This next series we're going to take a look at called The Counselor. We're going to look at four different questions uh, within uh, the Gospels. But I don't know if you knew this. Do you realize how many questions Jesus asked in the Gospels? Do a reread. Go back and look. It's recorded or documented. There's probably over a hundred or so questions that he asked. And, and they're very powerful questions. And I love the way he did it. Because it makes everybody feel uncomfortable. He asked the question, and then just kind of sat there. You know? And no one likes that, do they? <laughs> and so, he asked the questions. And we're going to look at those questions here today. Today we're going to look at the one found in Matthew. or Matthew. We're going to look at the one found in Mark chapter 4. If you, would, if you would take your Bible, open it up to Mark chapter 4. If you didn't bring your Bible, grab your iPhone, your iPad, whatever. Grab the Bible out of the back of the pew in front of you. But we're going to look at a, a particular story that uh, I'm sure many of you have read before. And it's found, I believe, in verse 35. But before we do that, what I want us to do is we've got a video here, kind of a, kind of a 21st century video of that, particular, of that incident that happened in Mark chapter 4. So if you would, uh, the lights will go down. Direct your attention to the screen and kind of lean into this, this uh, depiction of that story in 21st century living here. Why don't you tell me what happened? I was with Jesus all day. So we get on a boat to cross the lake, and, you know, more boats come too. I guess they were all so caught up in following him that they didn't even see it coming. See what coming? That storm last night. I had never been on the lake in a storm like that. And there Jesus is, in the stern, laying down, fast asleep. We woke him up. We asked him, Teacher, do you not care if we perish? How did he answer? 
He shouted at the storm. Quiet! Be still! And, and get this, just, the wind just stopped the lake completely flat. How did that make you feel? That part was awesome. But then he turned to us. He looked me right in the eye and he said, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? To set the context just a little bit more, often Jesus, when he taught, there would be crowds swell, swell in upon him. And in this particular situation, uh, some things were taking place, and he gets out into a boat, and he uses kind of to separate himself a little bit. He gets out in a boat, and he, and he begins to teach from the boat. He uses that kind of his pulpit, if you would, and he begins to teach from the boat. And so as he's teaching, there comes a time where he wants to go to the other side of the lake, so he tells the disciples, hey, why don't you get into the boat? And um, let's head off to the other side. So he left the other. He left the other. Um, he left the crowd and he went to the other side of the sea, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and then, and then through this was going to be this huge object lesson, obviously for the disciples. So in Mark chapter four, verses thirty-five through forty-one, listen to the words or follow along. It says, "As evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, let 's cross the other side of the lake." So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, and high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, "Teacher, don't you, don't you care that we're going to drown?" When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. So the question I want to ask you today, that God's asking us, let's be clear, that Jesus is asking us is this, why are you so afraid? Why, why are you so afraid? He, he asked these guys in the boat, now, now let's, and again, I, I've shared this, I, I share this often with you guys, and, and, and in no way do I ever want to be perceived as devaluing the Word of God or minimizing the Word of God. However, I want us to be human for a second, okay? Because I think it's easy to glamorize Scripture, right? And we can look at these disciples and we can cast stones and we can say, you had Jesus there, why were you so afraid? You know, I, you know what? I think if it was you and I in that boat, I think we would have some of the same apprehensions. I think we would have some of the same thinking. I think we would have some of the same fear. Hey, the boat's taking on water. And you're going to ask a dumb question? Why? I mean... If you were there and you heard that question, wouldn't it kind of like maybe offend you? Like, what do you mean, why am I afraid? Did you not just see the storm? It was taking over the boat. And you're going to ask me why I was so afraid? Now again, I know some of you may be cringing, thinking, how could you talk to Jesus? I'm talking from a human perspective. Would you not feel and think the same thing? Would you? I mean, that's what these guys felt. I mean, these guys were like, hey, our ship's going down. We got Jesus back here that's sleeping. He doesn't even care. 
He's just back in the boat and he's sleeping while this ship is going down. He's the one that wanted to cross this stupid sea to begin with. And now this storm is ready to overtake, overtake us. You know what? I bet there's some of us in here this morning. Let's just be real. Let's bring this from the, from the, you know, when it happened back before, while Jesus was here on earth. And let's transpose this. Let's transcend this story over into our day and age. I wonder how many of us sitting in here this morning, And I'm not going to ask you to do this, but I wonder how many would raise their hand if I said, how many of you have a storm in your life where you're afraid right now? And let's be honest, these storms, just like back in this day, these storms can creep up and rise up in a heartbeat. The Sea of Galilee was notorious for this. It, set, it was below sea level. It set around. It set beneath or around in the middle of these mountains, and it was noted for these storms just kind of just quickly popping up and creating huge havoc upon the fishermen there. And the fishermen, obviously, this was a fishing society to a certain degree of culture, and so the livelihood depended upon fishing. So you got some guys that navigated these waters before. But nevertheless, this, was, this, this body of water was noted for that. Okay? And this, this, the, these storms would just pop up, just like they do in, your, your, in my life and your life. Where it's like, it seems like you're minding your own business, and next thing you know, someone reaches over and flips that hardship switch. <laughs> hey, there's a switch here that says storm. Let's flip this up and see what happens. How many of us, you know, maybe you're sitting in here this morning and, it, and it, 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 you know how it feels. It can happen like within your job, your career. One minute you're up, next minute you're down. One minute you're, everything is going great. Next minute you're getting news that, you're, that your position uh, uh, is getting, uh, getting, getting eliminated. I was wanting to say externalized or, ex, or um, exterminated. I'm like, that's not it. That's what it feels like though, right? So, so I mean, it, it happens. It's like someone flipped a switch. You're just going along. You didn't see it coming, and like, bam, something happens. Or something with your kids. You know, your 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 family's going okay. You know, it's going all right. And the next thing you know, your kid does something. You're like, where did that come from? What happened here? Or you have a loved one that goes to the doctor or whatever. I mean, you name it. I, we could sit here all day and talk about these things. And every single one of us sitting in here this morning have been touched with these things. Where someone feels like, it just feels like someone over and flipped a switch. And now all of a sudden, we're right smack dab in the middle of a storm. And we don't know what to do. And we get scared. And heaven forbid we ever say that we're scared. No, because we're macho, right? We're macho and we're going to navigate through this. Because we see other people, they're like, we see other people that's maybe in church, we see other people that we work with, we see other people that we go to school with, we see other people that their, their life's put together. They don't have this stuff. Their kids are perfect. If I could only have a family, if my family looked like this, if I could be like this person, or if my career would look like this, or if this would happen, or that happened, when all along you'd have no clue what may be happening, because every single one of us is, is so good at putting up those facades where nothing's going, nothing's wrong in our lives whatsoever. When deep down, we could be, you, you, the people you'd be idolizing could be the person that's two months behind on their house payment, or their kids have just, uh, has imparted some news to them that's just going to wreck them. Or they've received some type of a physical, a physical uh, um, you know, diagnosis that's just going to turn them in a different direction. We don't know. Some of us we do share with others, but a lot of us we don't. We put up the wall, we put up the facade, and we try to navigate through the storm when all along we're all, you know, we, we've either gone through a storm or getting ready to or right in the middle of it, as they say. 
And that's what it feels like. And I bet there's people sitting in here this morning, and the reason why I say it is because we're human, and every single one of us experiences that type of stuff in our lives. These storms just kind of happen. They just kind of pop up. And it's scary. I had someone ask me last week or the week before, we just got really down, and they asked me that. They leaned into me, and they asked me the question. And I said, I'm scared. I'm afraid. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't say that. People are going to look at you differently. Really? I don't really care how people look at me right now. Because right now, I'm scared. And so I leaned into this guy and I was like, I'm not going to sit here and and put on this facade and act like everything's okay. Truthfully, I'm scared. That doesn't mean I can't navigate through something or I don't know, you know. But that means that I need help. That means I need some people to walk with me. That means I need some people to give me some encouragement and to to navigate through this storm right now that that I'm experiencing. And I'm scared. I'm fearful. And truth be known, there are some of you sitting here this morning, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've had it in your life where you've navigated. Maybe you're going, again, going through it right now. And that's exactly what these guys were feeling like. It just happened. It just switched. It was like the, 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 the switch just flipped and everything begins to turn. Everything begins to take a totally different meaning within our lives. And then Jesus comes and from this story, He asks a piercing question, a question that pierced them and a question that pierces you and I today. And it says this, what are you afraid of? Why are you afraid? That's the same question Jesus is asking me. That's the same question Jesus asks you on a daily basis. Why are you afraid? You've you've seen me work in your life before. Hey, disciples, did I not just feed thousands of people? Did I just not walk on water? Have I not just done this, that, or the other? Where in the world is your faith? Now all of a sudden, you don't believe anymore? I don't know about you, but that's a hard, those are some hard questions. Because answering that is, to be truthful, is, it, it, it's hard. And it feels like Jesus is insensitive. But there's so much truth behind it. Why are you afraid? Have I not, have I not interacted in your life before? Have I, have I not navigated you through tough situations before when you trusted me? Have I, have I let you down? Why all of a sudden now, there's this, there's this chasm now, and, and, and you want to go off and you want to struggle with this on your own. And so through this, I think we all can relate. But through this, there's a couple things that I want us to think about. And I want us to, I want us to camp out on just a couple things. Number one is this. When we're in a sto- two things. When we're in a storm, we're with His presence. Just like that storm happened within the, these disciples uh, in, their, in their situation, Jesus was in the boat. But it's so often that we, it's so easy for us to forget that He's in the boat. But Jesus' presence is with us. If we are a follower in Jesus Christ, He is with us. This is such a basic message, but there's no way you're going to sit there and tell me that we str- don't struggle with this at all. You know why? Because I've had conversations with you. And if you would be honest, we all struggle with this at times. And maybe some of the reasons why we act certain ways is because deep, deep, deep down in our inner soul, we're scared. And we're fearful. And we don't know what to do. 
But the beauty of all this is, I think, is to come back to Scripture and to look in this particular passage, this particular story, to realize that as a Christ follower, Jesus, His presence is with us. He promised that He would never leave us. We just went through a whole series before Christmas where light will always dispense darkness. Every single time. John tells us that that light existed before the world was even created. In fact, he would tell us that this light was there, that was, he was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God, and that this light was going to come, and it was going to dispel darkness. And you and I live in the reality of the cross where the light has dispelled darkness. Regardless of how we feel, regardless of how big the storm looks, regardless of what we're navigating through, the truth is, the Word of God tells us that the the light has dispelled darkness, big fat period. It's done. And you and I have that truth to live in, knowing that the presence of Christ is inside of us. So regardless of what we may go through, when Satan rears his ugly head through friends, through neighbors, through co-workers, through other individuals that are skeptical and doubt that, God's presence is in our lives. And His light will always dispel darkness. His light will always dispel the darkness, regardless of how dark it is. His light always... And that is the presence, that is the reality that you and I live in. That's the reality that the disciples lived in. Jesus saying, I'm here. I'm right here. How can you be so afraid? Because my presence is right here. And so, we live in that reality to say that Christ... That truth, that light, that that light and His presence is living inside of us. There's a study, and I, it's, it's a study, and it, the study, I don't know, I believe it, but it's one of these things I'm not preaching it, you know what I'm saying? It's not like the Word of God. But there is a study that they've done that says, that like older people where they have, or just anybody really, but especially older people where they've lost a spouse and they're living on their own now, there's a study that says if there's something else living with the side of the house, some other living thing that it gives them this sense of, of comfort. This sense of, there's another presence within the house. And I'm not talking about like a bacteria or a demon, okay? I'm talking about like a guinea pig or a cat, which a cat could be a demon, right? But anyhow, um, another story. Cat lovers, don't email me, okay? I'm just joking, all right? Um, but, 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 but there's this study that says if there's something else living in your house, that it provides this sense of, uh, this sense of, uh, of you're not alone. How, what, I mean, taking that simple study, whether it's true or not, but taking that simple concept and transcending it over onto someone that has placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we have Jesus living inside of our hearts? What is too great for us? What is the thing that you're going to throw out there? You can say, well, we can go a long ways, but that's the line that you can't cross. That's the one thing that's way too big. And that's how we talk sometimes. Because the fear becomes so great inside of us, it's like, and we forget that the presence of God lives inside of us. We're like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm going to get through this one. This one's really got me. How? You know, and again, I know that we're human. I'm human. I get that. I just confess. I get afraid. Fear wells up in me. That's human. But what do we do with that? Does it stay there? Do you entertain it? Do you like create another room for it and give it a bed and nice, you know, 
let it just sit there and eat with, eat with you and everything? I mean, it, 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 after a while, it just destroys us. I mean, literally destroys us. And it takes us off the truth, which says Christ's presence is inside of us. And when Christ's presence is inside of us, it's going to dispel any storm. He's going to dispel any darkness. He's going to dispel anything like that. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to experience some hardships. But it means that we have this presence of God living inside of us that should create this this sense of, of this this sense of courage and comfort, or if you will, within us. The second thing is this. So the first thing is His presence is inside of us, and the second thing is this: you're in a storm. There's always a purpose. There's always a purpose. Jesus said that. Now, some people would say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." Just, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Because this is where we're getting off point. If I believe that there could be a purpose within a storm within my life, it means that I can grow through it. It means that I can become more mature through it. It means there could be some positive come out of this. I don't believe that God creates storms for our lives, but I do believe that God uses storms for our lives. I don't know. Let me just go back and say this and give you a little taste of my theology. Uh, according to chapter 3 of Genesis, I believe this is not the way the world was created. I believe that Satan and sin entered into this world and created havoc on God's creation. And the world we live in right now that we, you and I experience is a broken world. But I also believe that one day this broken world is going to be made new. And that one day all this stuff's going to be wiped away. That we're not going to experience any hardships. We're not going to experience any sin. We're not going to experience loss or grief or any of these other things. Temptations, all, fear, all this other stuff. We're not going to experience one of these days because God's going to wipe it all away. I also believe, and this is just me, but I also believe that we're living in the last season of time. I believe when Jesus talks about the last season, it really appears as if we are moving into that last season. And I can't help but believe, I've shared this with you before, I can't help but believe that if Satan is sensing this, I don't think he knows, I I know that he doesn't know the time when Jesus is going to return, because only God the Father knows that. But I believe that Satan is probably getting a little amped up, and I believe he's doing everything he can to destroy and to rip apart even more and create havoc even more on God's children. Although he can't do much more than that. But I believe he's creating havoc within the church. I believe he's creating havoc within this world. I believe he's, tun- he's turning it up. The only other thing is, and I'll say this out of confession to you, I believe the rest of the world's probably been experiencing this long before America has. Because there's been a long, it's been a long time since, I mean, Christians have been persecuted for some time now. And now you and I are just starting to kind of experience it a little bit within our, within our country. But you go to some of these other communistic countries that where the church has been driven underground and somehow the church multiplies from being persecuted like that. Try that one on. But what I'm saying is, when I say all that, is this. I don't think God really needs to create problems for you and I to experience. I think there's enough of those out there for you and I to experience, whether whether created by ourselves or we just experience them because of the way the world is. But my point is this. Regardless of what it is, and I don't want to devalue the storm you may be experiencing or you have experienced, 
But there's never a two storm that's too great where God can't bring glory to himself and create purpose and meaning out of it. A few weeks ago, I asked you the question, do you think it's it's a, you think it's possible to grow without a crisis coming into your life. And I think that where we need to really think about that is this. Some would say, well, I, I don't know because I, 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 you know, I, I try to live my life where I don't have a crisis. Well, the, pro, the, the issue is this. Well, you may, con, may, may consider a crisis. Someone else may not. Or you may not. Someone would. The, the issue is when we experience things within our lives that really disrupts our well-being, that's a crisis. And the point I'm saying is this, when a storm comes in our lives, that's a crisis. And when we go through certain storms, and we stay focused on Christ, and we allow God to guide and direct us, we mature through that process. I've read books where people have called that the laboratory of learning. When you go through a hardship, and you really lean hard on God, and you allow God to grow you through, God can just do some incredible things. I also believe that God prunes at times. I don't think He cuts you off the vine, but I believe there's times where He cuts off the scraggly things that's not producing. And I think there's times where we get pruned and it hurts. But we're still alive and we're still connected to the vine. So my point is this. If we can understand that there's a purpose behind something, it gives it meaning, does it not? It can give it, a, it, can give it some meaning. And when anything has meaning, it, just, it creates more of a peace. It creates more of a, we can, we can, we can embrace it a little bit more because, because there's something behind it. I think that's what was taking place here where these disciples realized there was something so much bigger. Have you read the rest of this story? Where were they going? They were going to the other side. What happened when they got to the other side? There was a guy that was demon-possessed. Cutting himself. And Jesus saved him. There's a purpose behind storms. And when we can focus more on God, even though we're dealing with it, and again, I get it, but even though we're more dealing with it and we're going through it and we can stay focused on Christ, there's some incredible things that can happen. And God gets glorified. And we somehow don't become the center of that all the time either. And that's okay. That's okay. But the disciples were, I wonder if the disciples, once they got to the other side, I wonder if they kind of clued in to say, wow, there was something bigger than this. There was something so much bigger than this. And I, I want to share this too with you guys. I think there's times, and we've, I, I've heard this from, I've heard this from some of you, and I, took, I, and, and, and I respectively disagree with you. I do not think you can live your life in a way so managed that you can control storms not coming into your life. I think that's another definition of insanity. Because there's going to be times where it's completely out of your control. You have no say about it whatsoever. Now, are there times where you make the stupid decisions? Absolutely. Welcome to humankind. But are there times when you're living your life the way you should and then something happens because some other bonehead's Free will? Absolutely. So, this business where we have something happen within our lives and we want to say, oh, okay, well, where did I sin? What went wrong? What happened here? Who, didn't, who needs to owe up to this? You know, all this other stuff. It's like, are you kidding me? We're already going through one storm. Do you really have to create another one? Why don't we, why don't we work through this storm and see where God wants to take us? And see how God wants to use this storm 
to bring Himself glory. So His presence is always with us. There's, there's, there's always something we can learn and we can grow through. Listen to what James says in his writings. He says, um, and he was the half-brother of Jesus. Chapter 1, he says, consider it pure joy. There you go. There's another tall order, right? When you're going to go through something, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. And he says, um, whenever you face trials of many kinds... And he says, you know, basically answers the question because you know that the testing of your faith and what happens with the testing of your faith, it creates this perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So there's this maturing process that can happen as we go through a storm. As we lean on Christ, as we look at Christ and we know that He's with us, there's this, there's this maturing process that can take place. The opposite side of this, guys, the antithesis of this is where some of us like to go, and that's we go over here and we curl up in a fetal position and we cry because we're scared to death. That's the opposite position. The other side of it, too, is just to say, you know what, God, I don't understand this. And I'm, guys, I'm not preaching. I'm not preaching some that this is some easy thing that can be had. I think these are the hardest things that takes place within our lives, but this is the stuff that grows us. This is the stuff that matures us. This is the stuff that enables us to see God in such a deeper way because we see that His purpose and His, he, we can just see His Himself manifest, you know, Himself through this, through, through these processes. And that is the, that's the positive things. These disciples had the same human reaction. We're going to drown. And here's the thing. Here's the here's the very here's the other thing that I want us to pick up on because this is the thing that I think this is the huge takeaway right here, guys. These guys, when they first call out to Jesus, they say, "Teacher, teacher, we're going to drown. The ship's going down. I don't know how you can sleep, but the ship is going down." Jesus gets up. He admonishes, rebukes, yells at the whatever. I don't know how he did it, but he, but he calls out and somehow this storm subsides. It dissipates. It goes away. And then he turns and he says, why are you afraid? Do you not trust me? Do you not have faith? And from that point, they started referring to him as Lord. I... Th- I struggle if we would think that that's a coincidence. I think there's a deep meaning behind that. Someone going from teacher to Lord. Teacher, teacher, you know, this is what's taking place to... Who is this man? Who is this guy that can call out and calm the storms. Even the, even, the, even the physical world listens to this guy. Are you telling me that their perspective didn't shift from like one of a pupil to one, to one of looking at God, or one of a teacher that, that, that's kind of teaching them to one of, of, a, of this deeper reverence and awe? This guy's the real deal. This guy is the real deal. And what happened after that, much year, I shouldn't say too much longer after that, but what happened after that, some time after that, Jesus tells them He's going away. 
And they're fearful. And He tells them to wait. And so they go through the whole process, the crucifixion, and they wait. And He says, I want you to wait until the gift comes. The counselor is going to come. And so they patiently waited. And it happened. The Holy Spirit descended. Pentecost happened. And this power of God filled them. Filled those individuals that at one time were very scared. At one time was worried about who was going to get to sit at the right hand of Jesus. At one time would deny Him. And they received this Spirit and somehow these guys were turned upside down and they went out and they boldly proclaimed Jesus' name. He went from teacher to Lord. And every single one of these guys, except for John, every single one of these guys would be martyred. Persecuted and martyred. Every single one. Every single one in their, in their life was going to experience a storm that would eventually take their lives. Except for John, and he was exiled. He was exiled to, to, to the Isle of Patmos. But every single one of these guys, something happened where that shifted from teacher to Lord. This guy is real. This guy's real. As the worship team comes back, we're going to close with a couple songs. And I, I want you, I pray that you would take these, I guess these two questions to heart as we close our time out together. And the first question is this. Why are you afraid? Is there a storm in your life right now and you're afraid? Now, and second of all, is He teacher or is He Lord? Those are two questions I think we need to, to ask ourselves. Is he, is he, am I afraid? And second of all, is He a teacher to me or is He, or is he Lord? Is He the Lord of my life? And I, guys, I understand that in this room there are three different people. Three different types of people. There are those where Jesus is Lord, where they, I don't know when, but at some point, they navigated through some storms and they realized that Jesus was in their boat and now they, begin, now they lean on Him. You guys lean on Him through all of this. When a storm comes in your life, it's not pleasant for you. It's not like you really welcome it. But in one sense, you kind of have a little smirk because you realize, this isn't going to take me. Jesus is in my boat. And Jesus is my Lord. And I would ask in your heart right now that you would begin to pray because there's other people in here right now that they're in the boat and they're scared. And some of them are believers and some of them are unbelievers. And if you're in here this morning and you're a believer, it's time to switch, the te- off, switch your perspective off teacher and switch it on the Lord and then begin to ask yourself the question, what is so great? What is so great that's, that can actually captivate me like this? That can hold me hostage like this? It's literally going to take and turn my, my, my perception around, my personality around. It's going to literally take me and turn me. What is it? Because if God is in my boat, if Jesus is in my boat, and, 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 and I'm, a, I'm a child of His, there's nothing that can take us. Absolutely nothing. Read Romans. There is nothing too great that can overtake us. And if you're in here this morning and Jesus is not in your boat... I'm telling you that all you have to do is turn around and He's going to be standing there because He's lovingly 
passionately pursuing you. And if you would just take a moment to look back over your life, over the timeline of your life, and you see these little marks where you shouldn't be here because certain things should have happened in your life, but yet you're still here, there's a reason, and that's because Jesus is right behind you, desperately pursuing you, passionately pursuing you with this love relationship, saying, I want to be, I want to be Lord in your life. I want to help you. I want you to be my child. I want to give you a sense of peace. I want to make meaning to your life. And maybe today's the day you're going to bow down to Him for the first time and say, you're my Lord and I receive you. So I don't know where you're at, but I pray that that during these last couple songs you would just engage with God, engage with our Heavenly Father in such a way that that he's, He's got a message just for you today will you receive it? Why don't you stand and let me close this time with a word of prayer. And then we'll engage with a couple songs. Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had today. Thank you that we can assemble here together in safety. Where we can come together with other friends, family, other believers, sisters and brothers in you. I pray, Lord, that I know that there are some in here today that are experiencing storms. And I pray that you would give them comfort where they're searching for it so desperately right now. Where they're scared. Where they're full of fear. I pray that you would just let your love overwhelmingly sweep over them. And that if they're already a believer, that they might once again turn and cry out, Lord, And if they're not a believer, maybe this is the day that they would turn and say, Lord, and place their faith and trust in you. Father, call upon those that have weathered through storms and understand to the best of their ability how to navigate through them with you and their helm. I pray that you would just encourage them and in their hearts they would cry out to you right now and pray for the individuals today that needs to hear the message that you have for us, for them specifically. And so as we engage in these last two songs, I pray for courage to respond to you the way that you would want us to respond. And I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.